Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. I'm Amy Rojek, Director of BDO Center for Governance, and I'm about to share with you some excerpts from our recent 2021 What's on the Minds of Boards Ahead of Shareholders Meeting webinar. In this podcast, we highlight commentary from Ryan Hurahan regarding several key considerations for directors and management teams as they factor in compensation strategies and performance plans in the upcoming cycle. Ryan is a principal and certified executive compensation professional at Pearl Meyer and has years of experience advising boards and senior management on incentive compensation design, corporate governance, and performance measurement with the objective of supporting business strategy, value creation, and shareholder interests. Brian, maybe you can share um, what lessons have been learned uh, from the use of discretion with respect to 2020 compensation arrangements, and is this continued use of discretion necessary and advisable in 2021 and beyond? Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, Amy. And yeah, I mean, in regards to discretion, obviously, given the swift impact of COVID-19 and kind of the unplanned impact of COVID-19, especially on 2020, um, we saw a lot more discretion exercise in regards to incentive programs over the last year. So, you know, areas we're seeing that in largely in the short-term incentive programs, kind of mid-year adjustments to measures and goals. So these are companies that typically had an annual cadence on their short-term incentive programs, but because the, the goals that they had set early in 2020 were deemed, you know, unattainable by kind of the end of Q1 2020, you lost a lot of the, um, you know, perception value associated with those short-term incentive plans. So a number of companies uh, made kind of pivoted mid-year to either adjust the measures and goals associated with those annual incentive plans. I had a number of clients just kind of scrap the uh, annual incentive plan that they established at the beginning of 2020 and implement a new kind of six-month incentive program, obviously with truncated uh, target values associated with those. And then the other side of the equation is performance-based uh, uh, stock or restricted stock, which uh, is a little bit tougher uh, in, in regards to exercising discretion. We're a little bit less, at least from a Pearl Meyer perspective, less um, aggressive, uh, let's say, in terms of exercising discretion on, on outstanding performance equity, uh, but that usually entails truncating a performance period. So let's say you had a, uh, a three-year performance share that was outstanding with the last year being 2020 and investing at the end of 2020. Performance looked pretty good uh, until 2020 in terms of what, what the payout was trending. We've had a number of clients say, look, we're just going to truncate the performance period uh, at the end of the two-year rather than the end of the three-year period, obviously, you know, tweak the award amounts to reflect the truncated performance period, but that's a way to kind of circumvent some of the impact where one really bad year can kind of tank the whole uh, three-year performance period. 
But with anything in regards to discretion, you know, there's there's considerations that we stress in terms of shareholder alignment, optics, employee consistency and fairness. Now, this was a big one in 2020. Um, in fact, something we saw a lot, uh, which is rare in the compensation world, was the use of negative discretion. And this occurred in companies that had a pretty bleak outlook, let's say, after Q1 of 2020 ended up furloughing or laying off a number of kind of the rank and file staff, but ended up picking the business picking up and actually leading to a pretty solid year in terms of the incentive payout. What we've seen are a lot of boards taking negative discretion. So let's say the award, the target award uh, was earned rather than providing target, they might prefer just provide a, a portion of target to account for the fact that they, you know, some of the rank and file, um, employees were, were, you know, dealt with some hardships as a result of COVID. So that employee consistency and fairness, obviously pay and performance alignment continues to be key. Retention, uh, the accounting uh, issues that, that come up with the use of discretion, obviously disclosure, and Courtney can speak to that a little bit, and then the proxy advisory firm views. Um, so obviously proxy advisory firm views are, are always important in these considerations, but I think for 2020, more than ever, uh, our stance at Perlmeyer was that the business tree, your business needs ultimately are going to trump the proxy advisory view. So even if we're doing a few things that are probably not going to be viewed that favorably, if they're going to help the business, they make sense. And I think, Amy, to, to answer your question, we're, we're seeing this idea of discretion to bleed a little bit into 2021, just given some of the uncertainty uh, around how much longer the impacts of COVID are going to last. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised um, to see more discretion exercise at the end of 2021, as we saw in 2020. I don't think it's going away. Um, I do think companies are a little bit more prepared in regards to, you know, setting up the goals, setting up the programs because they have line of sight that this is going to be something that impacts the business over the next year. So I do think, you know, there, there's certain lever, levers we can talk about on the goal setting side of things to help kind of circumvent the need for some of the discretion going forward. But I'm not expecting it to go away in 2020. The principles that we're laying out for our clients is if we're going to use discretion, we need to establish clear principles that guide the use of discretion. Um, there needs to be a sound business rationale for the ongoing use of discretion. And I can't stress this enough is being proactive in your disclosure um, in the CDNA. So we're, we're recommending a lot of our clients that are making 20, you know, 2021 compensation decisions to disclose them in their proxies this year uh, and provide a rationale with that just to kind of get out in front uh, of some of the proxy advisory firms, you know, view and, and kind of lay out their case to, to why they've done what they've done. Makes sense. So, so what strategies and approaches for goal setting, you started to mention that earlier, should be reviewed and considered maybe, in, you know, in order to achieve the desired linkage between pay and performance, given kind of the uncertainties and the, the outlook for the shorter and longer term? Yeah, I mean, I think the way that we think about goal setting and the way kind of the levers that we're looking at going into 2021, we've kind of put into four buckets. The first being, you know, the, the performance measures, um, maybe using more midstream measures versus bottom line measures makes sense. Uh, margins versus dollar amounts tend to make sense. Um, you know, more exclusions, adjustments versus all in. I think we kind of talked a little bit, a bit about that earlier in the discussion with the gap, non-gap measures. Um, 
The, the next lever to pull is kind of this performance period. So for the annual bonus, if you're, if you're typically operating on an annual program, but it's just too difficult to set those annual goals, we've seen a lot of uh, in companies move to kind of a semi-annual or quarterly cadence when they're typically on an annual cadence. That allows them to kind of pivot and reset either on that six-month trajectory or on the four-month trajectory. I think in terms of long-term incentives, incentives, um, you know, maybe trending away from that three-year performance period for performance-based equity, um, using kind of a best of a two, two, or, uh, two of the three-year approach, or even kind of a catch-up feature in some of these things. Again, things that proxy advisory firms aren't huge fans of, but uh, something to kind of mitigate the potential impact in the short term. And again, these are more levers to pull in the, in the short term. We're not expecting these things to live on, uh, so to speak. Uh, the other lever would be kind of performance ranges. So the performance ranges associated with the metrics in the plan, establishing broader ranges. So, you know, maybe your plan previously cut in at 90% of target and maxed out at 110% of target. Maybe it makes sense to broaden those ranges and make it 80% at the cut in, but 120% turn the upside. Again, a little bit more, more degrees of freedom. Um, the use of relative performance measures. Obviously, if we have a good comparator group and we can use relative measures, it takes a lot of the stress away from having to set absolute financial goals because you're just, you know, relative to your comparator group. Now, obviously, that comparator group becomes that much more important. And then in terms of vehicles, so is it is it um, does it make more sense maybe to shift away? And I know uh, for the last few years, uh, driven a lot by proxy advisory firms, there's been a big push to to add performance based equity uh, into the uh, equity programs, especially for the C suite. But we're we're certainly seeing more time based. Um, vehicles in the equity programs being used in 2021. So whether that be restricted stock, whether that be stock options, um, it, we're also seeing companies uh, substitute some of the annual bonus uh, dollar amount in the form of equity. Just again, given the fact of how difficult it is to set some of the financial goals associated with that annual bonus. So again, just high level in terms of kind of the levers, we're talking of the, the performance metrics, the performance period, the the range scale of you know what's viewed as adequate performance, and then the vehicle that that compensation is ultimately delivered in. Makes sense. I'm I'm going to ask you a more I guess pointed question since we've spent so much time talking about ESG issues uh, for the season. So I had spoken to your colleague Melissa Means last year about the role, the expanding role I should say, of the compensation committee. And so we've recently featured a podcast on that same topic and with so much emphasis being placed on strategic alignment and pay for performance as business strategies change in response to the current environment. How should the board's compensation committee assess and potentially change their programs to ensure that they're driving the desired behaviors, the actions and results, whether that's around specific ESG metrics, safety and health of employees, pay gap, transactions, et cetera? What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think I think it's a great question. And I think uh, one thing that 2020 and COVID has allowed us to do is it's kind of led a number of companies to kind of reevaluate their core business model and associated business strategies. Uh, you know, we've seen a number of companies pivot in terms of new customers, new products, new approaches. Um, 
And as any time there's a shift in the business strategy, uh, it's probably a good time to reevaluate the compensation design to make sure it still coincides with those strategies. So, Amy, to your point, and, you know, obviously ESG is, is one of those areas where, you know, strategy is uh, starting to evolve and, and become more of a focal point, obviously DE&I. So, you know, some of the questions that we're, we're asking our clients to answer are, you know, does the current incentive metrics properly align with our, our business drivers and priorities? So if ESG has become a significant priority for the organization over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, does it make sense to layer in an ESG metric into the incentive program? It's something that's not super prevalent at the moment, but it's it's certainly gaining traction. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it continue gaining traction as we move forward. I think you're also going to start seeing some DE&I uh, measures um, falling into those incentive programs. Um, you know, other questions are, does a long-term incentive strategy continue to support our goals around attraction, motivation, and retention? This goes back to, you know, should we change the mix of the long-term to reflect, you know, short-term, long-term priorities? Um, and then do we need to consider our approach to compensating employees or certain employee segments in light of the new business strategies? So we've seen this with, you know, companies that have frontline um, employees that they're getting, you know, kind of a bonus or a premium compensation to those in- employees that were, you know, client facing and, forced to kind of be in the front lines uh, during the COVID pandemic. So we're certainly seeing kind of a, a pivot uh, in some comp strategies, largely as a result uh, of a shift in the business strategy. So as I was saying, I think if there's anything positive that's come out of this COVID um, pandemic from a business standpoint, is it's allowed businesses to kind of stand back reevaluate what their strategic drivers are uh, and then kind of evaluate and make sure that the compensation structure is aligned. I mean, as most people know, as you're on a pretty good cadence in terms of business and strategy, you know, a lot of these questions, you know, you just kind of continue with with a similar program. You don't really step back and reevaluate. So we're we're certainly seeing a shift uh, in terms of, you know, rather than just a minor tweak here and there, wholesale shifts in terms of incentive designs based on kind of this reimagined business strategy. I think the NomGov committee is certainly seeing an uptick in terms of uh, their purview on things like DE&I. I'll also say I, I've seen it a lot even bleed into the compensation uh, committee where they'll be uh, dealing with a number of these issues as well. So um, I think it's it's becoming more pervasive kind of across the board, uh, at least from a comp and nom and gov. It probably sits more so at the nom and gov side of the equation, but it, it's certainly uh, becoming a factor even in my compensation committee meetings, even outside of the, you know, the impact of it on the incentive program and things like that, just, you know, the high, in terms of hiring and, and, and things of that nature. Thank you for joining us, and I encourage you to listen to our other two related podcast episodes, as well as additional thoughts about 2021 annual shareholder meetings, as shared by subject matter experts Courtney Keating, Ryan Hurahan, and Tom Conahan via our recently archived webinar available on www.bdo.com. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. 
For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash bdo knows governance.